Good afternoon and welcome to the Courageous Warrior Ministry Podcast for our second installment of a podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first one. Um, today we're going to be talking about a, a series that I alluded to in the Armor of God podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is William Goodrich and I am the president and founder of Courageous Warrior Ministries. Uh, we are a men's ministry that is built by men, for men, seeking after the heart of men, which is really funny because... We've got a woman on our podcast today. So uh, I'll introduce everyone here in just a minute. But um, what we're trying to do at Courageous Warrior Ministries is restore biblical masculinity. We know that biblical masculinity is under attack. We know that uh, Satan wants culture to decide that men of God just aren't good enough, that men of God are a problem. So we know that Satan seeks to destroy us as men because when he can destroy the men of God, if he can destroy the men of God, then he gains a foothold that we just essentially give him. So uh, today we're going to be deep diving into a topic that is not comfortable for men. And it's not comfortable because partially we don't understand it, but partially because... Because we have a woman present? Well... See, that doesn't bother me, and it doesn't bother you, because it's your wife. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so, And she knows all the stupid things I've done, so... Yeah, 10-4, 10-4, and I'm sure there's a lot of them. Um, so, we're going to get into a series on lust, and defining what is lust, and talking about all the components that come with lust, and all of the, the, the things that surround lust, and the things that scare us about lust, because... Uh, lust is one of the most sought after sins of the Bible by the men of God. It's one of the things that the men of God and men in general struggle with the most, but it's not a hundred percent what we dream it up to be. Um, so with that, I'm going to introduce Josh. Josh Warzot is a board member of ours, um, here at CWM, Courageous Warrior Ministries. Uh, Josh is going to be facilitating this conversation all throughout not just today's podcast on lust, but the entire series as we go forward, which we're hoping this is going to be a very informative and strong series. And I'm going to let Josh go ahead and introduce everyone. All right. Uh, as Will already introduced me, I'm Josh Schwarza. I am the director of ministry development for Courageous Warrior Ministries. I, as you know, we already have uh, William, our founder and president, uh, president participating in the conversation today. William, and so formal. Hey, you know what? You you call me Joshua whenever you get angry at me. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to call you William now. But uh, anyways, also, it brings me joy to be able to bring my wife in on the podcast today. Uh, my wife, Jessica Schwarzot, she is the secretary for our group for Courageous Warrior Ministries. Um, and just a quick brief on that. Yes, we are currently a men's ministry. But our overall goal as a ministry is a full family organization. You know, we want to be able to reach out eventually into uh, the the women and the children because it starts with men at the home because we are the biblical appointed leaders. But if we want to see a true turnaround in our nation and in our world, we have to encompass the whole family. And we know too. I mean, when, when men are stronger, the entire family unit is stronger, right? I mean, we, we know through the research we've done, in building this ministry from, from the start that part of the reason why we we're chasing after the heart of men is because when the men are stronger, the family's stronger. When uh, there's a statistic that we used at our men's conference that we had that uh, over 90% of the family 
comes to know Christ if the man in the house is a spiritual leader. It's not sexist to say. It's not misogynistic to say. It's statistically accurate. Uh, anybody else in the household, whether it be mom, whether it be grandma, whether it be grandpa, whether it be brother or sister, the statistics don't get over 50%, which is staggering. But understanding that the, the part are men of God can't be overstated. Well, and I can say as the wife of one of the men on the board and um, friends with the other men on the board that I love this ministry. Um, there has been times in our marriage in our life where either because he was, Josh was gone on deployment or training or just wasn't straight up, not following God. Yeah, just, exactly. Just straight up, not following God that I have had to step up as the role of the leader of the household and I can tell you, it's exhausting um, as a woman to think that I have to carry myself and my husband and my kids because God didn't design women to carry all that on our shoulders. They designed a man's back to be stronger. They designed, he designed a man's shoulders to be stronger because men are meant to carry that spiritual weight on their shoulders. Um but the when it came to the point in our marriage and in Josh's spiritual walk and in my spiritual walk where I felt like I could give that up um, it, to Josh, but also to God, it was it made a world of difference in our whole family unit. Yeah, I mean, once I stepped up into my my God designed role as leader of the household, I mean, the difference not only in my marriage, but in the relationship between me and my kids and my kids' actions, you know, the whole family design just changed. The whole dynamic changed, uh, which eventually we will get into that whole thing about the, the, where the, the family dynamic is uh, biblically. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and steer us back on what our topic is today, uh, which is lust. And as Will had already said, we are going to be doing a whole series on this conversation. Uh, we're not going to be getting as deep today as we will be throughout the series. Uh, today is just based to be it's an introduction on the topic. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask Will if you could go ahead and uh, read the scripture that we're going to be basing our conversation on today. Galatians 5 verses 16 through 21. Yeah, I got you. So uh, starting in verse 16. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you will not do whatever it is that you want. But if you were led by the spirit, then you are not under the law. Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, and as we're talking about lust, and we look at this scripture, you know, the very first thing we're going to try to do is talk about lust and define what it is. You know, we hear the word lust and 
the first thing that tends to jump out of our minds and our mouths when we hear lust is sexual. So here's the question I'm going to pose to you, uh, you guys to answer and, you know, start the discussion. What is lust? And is it mainly sexually in nature? Is it material in nature? Is it both? What is it? I know whenever I think of um, lust, I mean, the first thing that most pops in most people's mind is sexual in nature. Um, and I believe it can be sexual in nature. It can be material in nature, but deep down what it is is spiritual in nature. It's, I can lust after um, my friends walk with Christ and I can, but in lusting after that, it's not healthy because what it is that I'm doing is I'm not wanting my own walk with Christ. I'm wanting their walk with Christ. And God doesn't call us to be like Sarah. He doesn't call us to be like Jennifer. He doesn't call us to be like Josh, like Will. He calls us to be like Christ. And when we are modeling ourselves in our own spiritual walk, in our own lives after these other human, these other people that have sin in their lives, just like we do, what we end up doing is we end up comparing ourselves to them. And then it turns into the whole, well, I know that they did this and what I did isn't as bad as that. So then it turns into a pride thing and it's just a downhill climb that, I mean, it turns in its snowball effect. It turns into this huge thing that before we know it, we are not just dealing with a lust issue. We're dealing with a pride issue. We're dealing with a heart issue is what it all boils down to. So um, uh, this, this topic is one that's near and dear to my heart because I feel like most people, when they think of lust, automatically go to the sexual side of things. Now, that's not to say that lust can't be a sexual component. In fact, it overwhelmingly is a sexual component. But um, even when you look in something like the Oxford Dictionary of what lust is described as, it's described as, as something that is sexually charged or uh, something along those lines. But theologically speaking, uh, lust doesn't ne- necessarily refer to sexual acts. Theologically speaking, lust is described as the sensual appetite often regarded for sin or as sinful. Um, and it's funny that it, that the, the theological definition includes sensual because it, it wants to paint you a picture, right? Um, when you think of time with your significant other and you're getting ready to have those relations, there is a moment of uh, a sensual embrace, right? So even the word sensual, people often chase down the rabbit hole as being sexual. But what, what the Bible's really getting into here is it's trying to describe the intimacy that comes from sin. The intimacy and how deep-rooted that desire becomes for sin when it becomes a lust. Um, you can lust after power. You can lust after money. You can lust after things, after material things. You can lust after mindsets and ideologies and you name it, you can lust after it. 
it's not just sexual in nature. And that's, and that's everybody's default on this topic. Well, it, it's just like in the, the scripture that we had just read, you know, you, you look under everything that's listed here, you know, the, as acts of the flesh, that is really what we lust after. It's selfish ambition. It's that next promotion. So that way I can get more money and get that big old bass boat that I've been wanting or that, Ford F-250 that I've been wanting, you know, get that next thing that says, hey, I'm better than my neighbor. You know, it, it's lusting after power, you know, which we see a lot with politicians. You know, I'm not going to go into politics at all. I'm just going to use it as a prime example. You know, politicians will say what they have to say to to keep their position. But, you know, they really don't care uh, about what they really do as long as they have that power because without that power they've lost their identity you know and then also you know alcohol or drug use you know you know you start in on that and all of a sudden you start lusting for it because you can't function without it you know it's not just you know sex yeah you know you see a good looking woman you know you could start lusting after her and you know wanting her but it's it's so much more than sexual. So I want to just real quick before I let Jess jump in here. I want to talk about the actual scripture itself here. Uh, starting in verse 19 in Galatians 5, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. And these are truly like Josh was starting to allude to. These are truly lusts of the flesh more than they are acts of the flesh. Um, it says sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. You would consider all three of those to be sexually charged lust, right? Then the next two aren't sexual in nature at all. Idolatry and witchcraft. Now, for everyone who's listening to this, hear my heart on this, okay? Please, when we throw verses out like this, when we throw ideologies out like this, do your own research. Don't just trust us. Don't believe the things that we say. I want you to test what we're saying. Because if we're wrong, we're wrong. I mean, we're, we're humans. We're men. We, we're going to make mistakes throughout the, the process on this. But I want you to understand what we are talking about here with idolatry and witchcraft. So I have gone back to the original text to figure out what they're talking about with witchcraft here. Because to me, it didn't come across as the blasting of a pagan religion, which is what most people are going to say when they look at this and say, oh, witchcraft. Yeah, we shouldn't do that. Um, th- that's not what they're which, talking about. Which, not to say that if you're a Wiccan, you know, that... That's fine, you know, because obviously we'd still believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, but it's understanding where translations maybe didn't get the Greek words completely right. Right. So here in this, in this spot specifically with the word witchcraft, um, if you talk about something that your, your flesh would lust after drug use would be one, right? There are people who their entire lives are just absolutely destroyed by drug use, by the, by the lust for the next high. That is specifically what we're referring to here. Now, the word witchcraft from the original text is the same word by which we get uh, pharmacists from today. So when people are talking about witchcraft in this sense here, they're talking about they'd go to somebody and they would receive a drug that would alter their brain. Fears like witchcraft if somebody don't know what they're looking at. In reality, all they were doing was getting high, which is yet another lust of the flesh. So we think meth cooks 
Yes. Yes. Essentially. Or these people who understood these herbs that no one else understood, like marijuana or whatever the case would be, how to extract this from this to make this drug that gets you high and alters how to turn the cocoa leaf into cocaine. Right. So you've got sexual immorality and purity and debauchery, which are obviously sexual lust. Then you've got idolatry and witchcraft, which are, are lusts of, of bending your, your perception of, of things around you, right. Of chasing after, uh, whatever it would be, whatever rabbit hole you want to go down chasing after the next high or whatever the case would be. Then you have hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. And that is all kind of characterized and grouped together. You can't tell me that you don't lust after a good gossip story, right? Or chase. Oh yeah. It makes me feel better. Oh, this person's doing that. Oh, I've got it right. I'm good with God. Well, and not only that, but it helps you like personally, that's something that I struggle with is Um, the gossip and like it helps it makes me think oh well I know something that nobody else knows that means that makes me somebody important that people are going to come to to ask what's going on with so and so and there's an entire industry right there's entire television stations that are built on the ideology of well if I can beat somebody to it and I can come up with the right gossip and increase my views and increase I can make more money and, and yada 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 you can't tell me that, that that pride that comes with, oh, well, I knew something that they didn't know and I get to tell them first. Um, the pride that comes from that and lusting after that, that result that can come from that isn't something that many people do. Not just women, but men included. I mean, men chase after gossip oh, yeah. stories um, just the same. Oh, yeah, we do. I mean, for one, it's, you know, if I find out something about you, if we're in the same position and all of a sudden there's a promotion coming up that we're both fighting for oh man i know what to get started so that way i get that job instead of will so i get that promotion you know and that comes down to where it talks about selfish ambition you know where it's about me i i want that you know i'm i need to be better than than will i need to be better than brandon or i need to be better than eric you know it's a selfish ambition you know you're lusting after that position and that power well it's funny that you kind of as you were talking about that, you group it together, you, the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life. That First um, John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, um, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Yeah, and that, and that hits it on the head. I, you know, when I look at this, I, I, I can just see where these different lusts are. The, 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 where so many things in life fit into these lust categories, but everybody wants to run around and say, well, I don't have any lust in my heart because I'm not sexually attracted to that woman. I'm not looking at her, checking her out while she's jogging down the road. Yeah, but how much are you chasing after that dollar? How much are you chasing after the prestige in your job? How much do you lust after that? When you go to bed at night, what do you think about? Do you think about your money? Do you think about God? Do you think about the woman you saw jogging? I mean, what, oh, what is it? That or you're here's one about? that'll probably hit home for uh, anybody who's like me. Are you lusting after that trophy buck that's out in, out in the woods? Or are you lusting I mean, after that shotgun that you? Could yeah, have I mean, there's there, there's things that we do not even think about. Like you know, it's really. 
comes back down to idolatry and anything we might put before God. You know, I, I love to hunt. It's a big part of my life. It's something I've passed on to my kids. But if I'm putting that before God and I'm truly lusting after that, and man, I'm telling all my friends about this big old 20 point buck I got running out back and I'm going to take it down. Where, where is my heart? I know that you're a big duck hunter, which I'm starting into duck. I did it last year. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm sorry because it's an, I'm sorry. It's an expensive hobby. Well, see, it's like having a boat. The best friend that you can have is a friend with a boat. Duck hunting is the same way. The best friend you can have is a friend with decoys and everything you try to need. (laughs) So, uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, but easily how many men, because they're most men work, you know, five days a week. Um, even during deer season or duck season or whatever it is that you that you partake in a lot, how many men would seriously consider I'm not coming to church on Sunday during hunting season because I want that buck or I want my freezer full. I'm not going to rely on God to take care of it in the time that I have available. Instead, I'm going to create more time for myself because I want that buck i want that duck yeah you like what i did there uh i do more than more than chasing after the heart of god and the the want to be part of the the sunday services in the in the church and the community you know and here we are down here in oklahoma we are what is it now two weeks into bow season you know i've only been out a few times and haven't seen anything to be able to shoot at you know, and the temptation, you know, like last Sunday morning with really weather conditions are finally perfect. It's cold out. Deer should be moving. The temptation to get out in those woods and forget coming to church, you know, it, it, it's huge. But the fact is, is as the leader of my household, I need to be in church, you know, so my kids see where things are, where, where who's more important. Is it going to be God or is it going to be this deer out in the woods? And if I'm chasing that buck that's out in the woods, you know, it that's a form of lust right there. And I'm giving into the flesh and I'm telling my kids that God is not important. I think you hit the nail on the head whenever you said chasing after. Um, when I think of lust, it's what is that thing that you want so much that you are willing to chase after it? Because here's the thing, like, you have, God is right there. He's got his love, his acceptance, his um, just plan for your life. And you don't have to chase that. He's holding it out to you saying, it's right here. All you, ha- I'm giving it to you. I'm forcing it in your face. All you have to do is take it, accept it. But instead, we chase after those other things in our lives. Uh, We just like David chased after Bathsheba. Like it's one of those things that we can't, we can't say that we lust after God because we're not chasing after God. We don't have to chase after God. He He's right there. All we have to do is reach out and get it. Whereas things like 
another woman (laughs) or for women, another man or that perfect life. The, I mean, how many moms say, I'm a stay at home mom, but I wish I could get out and work a job or how many women that are working jobs say, I wish I could be a stay at home mom. And they're constantly chasing after something. We're all constantly chasing after something. So we all have some form of lust in our lives. And I'm, I'm going to say too, that um, we, we did a, our first podcast on the armor of God and I really can't overstate how important it is to have that armor of God and put that on. Um, Sometimes lust comes in the form of things that don't make sense to us in the moment, right? I mean, we, we see things and and these temptations get fired at us. And, and I imagine kind of like a pyramid, basically, right? You're, you get so many temptations and then, you know, there's things that you're predisposed to. Like you might be someone who struggles with sexual sin or you might be someone who struggles with wanting to hear gossip or pride or money. Um, and all these little temptations, all these little darts just kind of keep getting thrown at you and a little, little, little prick in the arm and a little prick in the leg. And you're thinking about these temptations a little more and a little more. And all of a sudden, you know, this, this lust machine gets fired back up and, and away you go. Um, putting on the actual armor of God, like we talked about in that first podcast, it can't be overstated the importance of it because without that armor of God, you're setting yourself up for failure. You don't have those defenses to knock down those temptations and without knocking down those temptations, you're really creating an avenue by which lust can grow. That that if you're unable to check those temptations as they come in, it's hard to identify the lusts that come from those temptations. So um, as I kind of look at this and, and looking at this bigger picture, I, I can't overstate how important it is to be able to discern the difference between the good things and the bad things coming in. And the easiest way to do so is by, uh, by having that ability to discern it with ultimately the armor of God. You, you know, that, that probably sums that up perfectly. Uh, so now I just, I'm going to put forth a question uh, and it's something I posted on my Facebook so I could try to get a feel of what the general consensus is on this amongst my friends. So I'm going to go ahead and pose this to you guys now. Jealousy and envy, you know, are they the same thing as lust? Uh, Do they play a part of lust? You know, where do those things come into play when we're talking about love? So I'm going to give you my, uh, my opinion of this and it's not the, the end all be all of course. Um, But if I'm sick and I go to the doctor and the doctor only ever treats the symptoms and doesn't treat the underlying disease. Am I ever going to get stronger? Am I ever going to get better? Maybe, maybe over time the the disease or whatever it is will be cured through natural processes. But I think that jealousy and envy and some of these other pride type things are symptoms of the underlying disease of lust. Um, Lust is a a condition of the flesh, unfortunately. It's not something we can easily get rid of. Um, Just because we accepted Christ doesn't mean that we cut off the flesh. You know, it doesn't mean that we got rid of it. We are made new through the the process of rebirth through Christ. Um, But the flesh never goes away. Uh, It's something that we constantly have to battle against. It's something that we constantly have to fight and that we don't 
we can gain an upper hand against our flesh, but, but it's not something that ever just stops. Um, so to me, when I look at this topic, I, I look at things that I might be jealous of, like that boat that I really wish I had, or um, I could be envious of someone's job or their situation. But ultimately, they're undertones of a more full disease of lust that, that sits underneath the surface of, I want to lust after money because I really like money. Uh, you know, I want to be able to buy whatever I want to buy. And that jealousy is just a, a symptom of, of that disease. Well, and if you think about it, you don't know the situations that somebody is in to get that boat, to get that life situation. Yes, so-and-so just had baby number five, the most beautiful baby in the world. But what you don't know is that her first three babies were the cause of rape. So-and-so just got this boat and it's brand new and it's gorgeous. But what you don't know is that because they just spent their money on that boat, they're struggling to pay their electric bill. So you don't always know the situation. So it's really not healthy to be jealous. Um, I mean, James chapter four, verses two and three says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, I mean, it all comes down to what are we willing to give up to get? And uh, just real quick, I want to jump in, Josh, because I, I see you got a thought coming. But um, one of the one of the the synonyms or, you know, same words, if you will, of uh, lust. For those of us that didn't do good in English. Yes, yes. Uh, one of the synonyms of lust is actually pleasure. So kind of that sensual idea of pleasure and, and things that are good that my brain chases after. So I thought I, I really think it's interesting that that verse uses the idea of pleasure. Well, and which I want to give a shout out to James Moore. He's the one that uh, he, he answered the question on Facebook when I posted it about, you know, where is jealousy in relation to lust? And uh, he posted that verse and then, man, it works great. Fits in great. Well, and one thing, don't mistake pleasure for joy because God gives us joy. We can have joy no matter the circumstances we're in. Pleasure is very much a flesh a very much a worldly thing, whereas joy is a spiritual and heavenly thing. I mean, when we're talking about jealousy and envy in relation to lust, I mean, you know, Will, just a few months back, he got a brand new vehicle, great looking car. And, you know, I, I got to admit, you know, Satan, because of, what Will and I are trying to build among, uh, amongst other people, what we're trying to build in this ministry, you know, it's viewed as a threat. So is, you know, thankfully, you know, I got convicted of it immediately, but Satan tried putting in a little bit of a space in there by saying, Oh man, look at that car that Will just got, man, you were in the army for 10 years. You deployed, you deserve that. But yet, you know, you're not getting that. You know, jealousy can work your way, its way in there and start to destroy. But then when, and things like that, 
you know, it goes from jealousy to lust. Could It can go from jealousy to lust really quickly. Like, all right, Will just got that new car. What do I got to do to get a car that's better than that? You know, what do I got to do to get what I deserve in life? So suddenly, like, you know, I'm throwing the friendship to the wayside. And it's like, you know, I'm stabbing him in the back, you know, trying to, you know, crave something better than what he has, even though what he has isn't what God wants for me. And what can come from jealousy? I mean, it says it right in the verse we covered, hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. All of that can be a function of jealousy. So, um, one of the things that, that we had decided we were going to talk about with this is talking about Samson and David and where things went. I don't mean to steal your thunder on that, but I want to talk about David. <laughs> hey, I, I got no problem without that. I mean, I, I want to talk about David because lust is, uh, lust is something that David struggled with. Uh, obviously. Yeah. If, if you know the story of David, but the, the, the lust that David struggled with was not purely sexual. Now that is the one that everybody knows about. That's yeah, well, openly yeah, but, but in Sheba, you know, up there on the rooftop bathing, like that he saw all the way from across town. But I want you to think though, how much did David lust after power? Well, and that's, if you think about it too, when David lusted after Bathsheba, it was because he craved the power that came with having her. Yep. And that's, and that's kind of, that, that's an area where I wanted to go with this. So uh, David's desire, his lust after the situation with Bathsheba was twofold. It was sexual in nature, but it was also having the power over her based on his positioning, based on his kingdom. It, um, it was almost, when I read it, it's almost as another acquisition, another feather to put in his cap that he got to conquer these nations, but he also got to conquer Bathsheba. Well, and having Bathsheba too was a status symbol because by having her, that showed that he had power over the land, over the people. Well, and, you know, to dive deeper into what led to this, you know, uh, a friend of mine pointed this out to me uh, earlier. It, what led to Bathsheba was really jealousy. You know, he saw her, he wanted her, Oh, oh crap, she's already married and you know there's the jealousy of another man there. And then eventually what happens with that is because of the lust he gave into the temptation of the flesh, he ends up going further and all of a sudden he's a murderer. I mean and it, it all starts though even further back than that though. It, like even when he was young before he became a king, he was you know, he got anointed by God yes to become king of Israel. That was an anointing that God directed Samuel to pour onto David's head was the anointing of the oil. You're the next king of Israel. You know, you can look all through the Bible leading up to him becoming king. And there was times where he struggled, you know, because he craved that power once that anointing got put on his head, which I think as Christians, that's also things that we struggle with a lot. Like God's given me this, but I need it now. I need it more. You know, I want to smash a, a misconception about David. David was anointed by God. Absolutely. 100% David was anointed by God um, to be the king of Israel. Guess what, though? David wasn't a saint. David was a man. David had very sinful desires. David craved the same stuff that I craved, the same stuff that you craved, the same stuff that most men craved. Uh, 
the lust that guides a lot of our lives as much as we, we try to compartmentalize it, uh, it's there. And we absolutely attempt to not let it run our lives. Uh, that's part of the reason why we're doing a study like this. Um, but David, David had the same struggles that you and I do. David, I guarantee you that if it, in, a, in the heart of heart that David had, as much as he was a, a, a strong Christian man, I guess at the time, a strong Christian warrior, um, in his heart of hearts, if you could ever sit David down and talk to him, David would tell you the same thing, that he struggled with sexual sin, that it was something that he absolutely had a difficulty with, and the enemy knew that, and the enemy attacked him with that. The enemy tried to destroy his witness within his own kingdom by presenting him with an opportunity for actual sexual lust because he knew that, hey, guess what? That's David's weakness. Uh, I, I can struggle with money because money is something that I lust after. Money is, and I know this, I'm aware of this. Um, but when it comes push to shove, the enemy knows that money is somewhere that, that he can get me on that he can try to cast a shadow of doubt. And it's something that I will chase after. It's a weakness of mine. Uh, in this scenario, the enemy knows that that sexual sin is a weakness of David's and he uses it to almost tear down an entire kingdom. He gives it a pretty good try, but I mean, he didn't succeed because God used it for his glory, but he gave it a pretty doggone good shot. So. Well, and I think a lot of times our jealousy and our envy and our lust stems from the fact that we think that we're not enough, that we're not good enough, or that what God has for us is not enough. And I mean, that's a pride issue. But I mean, like if you look at through everything David went through, and there's other characters in the Bible too, there's Lot. You look at everything Lot went through, but God still called him a righteous man. And so it I mean it's it's one of those things that if we can if we can get our heart issue worked out, then the rest of it will follow. Well, and also with these, this whole conversation about lust and talk about David, I, I think there's one character that we definitely need to mention here. Uh, and it's in the sense that when we give into the sin of lust, how it can cause somebody else to sin. He saw Bathsheba from across the town, like, you know, when he was on the top of the roof of the palace. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that she said no when David sent for her. So him lusting after her also led her to sin. And obviously, after that incident, there's an open line of communication there between them because she got word to David, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm knocked up, man. We got to do something about this. You know, so when we give in to sin, no matter what it is, there is always always the chance that we're dragging somebody down with us you know and and that that is the result of sin is like is we are probably going to pull somebody down with us we're going to lose that closeness with god and something is just going to be a wall there you know david didn't just say all of a sudden on his own oh i sinned it took uh i believe it was the prophet nathan that came to him and told him a story about, yeah, they had that. I got you moment. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Hey, uh, there's this guy, he's got like 3000 sheep. He didn't want to kill him for a meal. 
to, to put on when he's putting a party on for his friends. So he went and he stole from the guy that had won. You know, and all of a sudden, David, he's just furious, you know, and you got to understand, you know, why this would upset David and what the whole thing reason that the reason that Nathan used the sheep as an example is because David in his younger days was a shepherd. So he understood sheep and what they meant. So all of a sudden, like, you know, he hears a story about this guy that stole from the person who only had one sheep. He is furious. And then all of a sudden, Nathan's like, whoa, whoa, dude. Slow down. Time out. That's you, man. You know, and what, what's great there is once that sin got pointed out to him is the fact that there is redemption there. You know, and it, it's like when we were talking about putting on the full armor of God uh, in our earlier podcast, you know, that it protects us from the sin, but it also gives us a chance to uh, a shot at redemption. You know, once that sin gets put out, when we were, when we were talking about the full armor of God, we were talking about how there's no armor in the back. You know, you rely on your brother to cover you. And that's what it is. Is like, you know, I see my brother sinning. I go out and I point it out to him tactfully, not like a jerk, you know, Hey, Will, man, I saw you doing this. You know what? And the, the redemption though, once you realize your sin, the brokenness, that you can uh, experience before God so that way he can make you whole. You know, um, I wasn't going to get this personal, uh, especially like, you know, on our, one of our first couple podcasts, uh, back early in my marriage, I was not a godly husband at all. I was not a godly father at all. There's things that I did that would make people cringe. You know, I, I wasn't physically unfaithful, but mentally, spiritually, I was. And once I gave that sin over to God, and once I asked him to forgive me and I accepted that forgiveness, the redemption that was experienced, you know, I I can only imagine just the same feeling that David had when he was like, oh, crap, God, what have I done? You know, um, there is nothing, you know, David had a guy murdered. So there is absolutely nothing that we can do that takes us too far from God's forgiveness. So I want to, I want to approach this a couple different ways. Um, the, the first way that I want to approach this is from a biblical perspective of the actual story of David. So, um, if you're familiar with the rest of the story, uh, as Josh alluded to, he, David sends Uriah, who is Bathsheba's husband, out into the battlefield and gets him murdered. Um, that's kind of where that goes, which frees Bathsheba up for David. Uh, that way it doesn't look bad in the kingdom or anything like that. It looks like it's a consensual relationship and that there's no issues. Um, <laughs> what we come to find, though, as Josh started talking about, is that there is consequence for every sin, there's consequence for lust, right? So David's consequence for lust, even though publicly he looked like he was exonerated, looked like he was innocent, uh, God knew what happened. And Nathan made that perfectly clear that God knew what happened. Um, I mean, in, in Israel's eyes, oh, look what our king did. He just, there's a widow from our war. Yeah. Let me take care of that widow. Cause I'm that good king. Uh, don't let anybody know that I'm the one that caused her to be widowed, but you know, 
let me be that good king. So the result of this sin in this case is that once Uriah is killed or murdered, I don't want to say killed, he was murdered. Um, the child that Bathsheba had, she miscarried, right? And that was a punishment from God. That was a very well-known punishment of God for this particular incident. It was prophesied. Um, but that's not where the story ends. And I think that's so important to understand. Uh, every one of us out there are going through things right now. And a lot of it, if we're being honest, is self-inflicted, right? A lot of, a lot of the, the, the issues that we're dealing with has to do with our own personal lusts, our personal uh, desires, things that we're chasing after. Just like David when he chased after Bathsheba. Now, here's the bad news. The unfortunate side of things is just like David, there's going to be consequence for your sin. Uh, what that's going to be and how that looks and, and, and what happens in your own personal life is going to be something that's God-breathed. It's not something that I have anything to do with. It's not something that anybody here has anything to do with. But the consequences that you face and the consequences that others face for your sin is going to happen. That's not the end of the story, though. Just as, as Josh was talking about, there is a level of redemption that we have to keep our eyes on. When we realize we're sinning, when we realize that we're stuck in a pattern of lust, we've got to stop that. We've got to recognize it, own it, stop it, prepare for the consequence, but also prepare for the redemption that comes from it. Um, in David's case, the redemption, the ultimate redemption of all of this uh, was, was Solomon, right? And from Solomon, who is many known as the father of wisdom, came many, many books that are, that are, fantastic in wisdom that are fantastic in in describing love and all sorts of things that that today makes sense to us but then probably didn't make that much sense and also when you look at the redemption of david really you see the redemption of us all because even though david sinned and he gave in to lust whose line did jesus christ come from you know, God saw the sin, he forgave the sin, and he still said, my plan for salvation from the world is going to come from your line. I mean, I don't think you can get any more of a redemption than that. <laughs> so, and the, the other thing, too, that, um, that I want to cover with David here is that in the midst of the lust that David was in, he was writing this thing called the Book of Psalms, right? Um. The book of Psalms, there are some really depressing parts of that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there are some really depressing parts. Oh, yeah. yeah David I mean. struggled with depression bad, um, which is something that men don't struggle with, right? Because men aren't allowed to struggle with depression because <laughs> we're all big, tough, strong, burly oh, men. Oh, I'm the alpha. I don't struggle with, yeah. with that. I mean, just like we don't struggle with lust. Um, <laughs> but in this case with David, you could see if, if you ever, if you ever, have a Bible that like um, covers things chronologically. If you can ever read the Psalms that they believe he wrote with the events that were going on at the time, it's amazing because you get a, a peek into David's psyche. You get a peek into understanding what was going on in his head during this time. And you can understand if you're reading it that way, what these lusts actually do to you, what they do to your brain, to your personality how they make you view the world. 
And once you're able to name it and identify it and get it out in the open to where it can start that healing process and that redemptive process, everything changes. Your perspective changes. Your understanding of what's going on around you changes. So uh, there are probably men out there right now listening to this podcast that are stuck in a in a cycle of temptation, lust, temptation, lust, temptation, lust, jealousy, lust, jealousy, lust. And they feel like the only way that I can feel better about my situation is from the high that fulfilling that lust gives me. You, know, you think about drugs and that's a perfect one to think about that. I, all I got to do is get one more hit and I get one more hit and then I feel better about my life and everything's I'll, going I'll quit well. after this last hit. Yeah. But that doesn't change the actual circumstance. It just treats the symptom. It doesn't change what's going on around your life. It doesn't bring you that redemption by chasing after that lust. Or, you know, as, as my personal experience, you know, I've never gotten to drugs, but, you know, we think of drugs as those things that are illegal, but man, I'm going to quit after this, you know, cigarette or this pack of cigarettes. I mean, I don't know how many times I told that lie to myself and to my wife until finally, you know, I don't, you know, it, only through the grace of God that I was finally able to give that up, you know, and let me tell you that go back and listen to our armor of God series, because let me tell you, it is the armor of God is the only thing that keeps me from going back to nicotine. Cause I mean, there's times where we'll tell you, well, I'll message him be like, man, I could really use a cigarette right now because there's that craving there for something that I need. I want it. I have to have it. But thankfully, you know, I've been able to put that behind me along with the, you know, other sins that I've committed, like, you know, I've been able to put them behind me, even though they get thrown at me still, you know, God has decided to wash me clean and take those things on the cross with him, you know, so that way it's not my sin anymore. Well, and on top of that, it's one of those things that we, as a woman, as a wife, I mean, don't get me wrong. I struggle with my own sins, but it's important for me and for my husband's walk for me to support him in that, to when he, for him to feel comfortable enough to come to me and say, listen, I, I had a temptation to mess up. I wanted to mess up. Like it wasn't just a, I was tempted. I wanted to mess up. And for my response, instead of being, how could you do that? Why would you do that? And getting angry instead say, okay, what do you need me to do to help you with this? And that's, and it goes back to the armor of God. You guys, we all need those people around us to, that we can call up and say, Hey man, I am tempted so bad. And I want to be tempted. I want to mess up. And for our friends to say, okay, but stop. What do you need me to do to help you? All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, kind of wrap up our discussion for for this evening. You know, we're going to continue to dive into lust, you know, even more into what it is, uh, the results it can have. You know, we're going to, dive more into the material aspects of it. We're going to be diving more into the sexual aspects of it. Um, but I just want to say, 
you know, we were ref- we've been referring back to our previous podcast on the armor of God. Everything that we experience really revolves around preparing ourselves for the day. So, you know, go back, study the armor of God, you know, because if we don't put that on, we are more than wide open for an attack, to, uh, especially of something like lust. And guys, I, I want to, as we're closing this out here, um, I, I just want to remind you that what you're going through, we're all going through. I know that's taboo to say in our culture, but what you're experiencing, we're all experiencing to a degree. I mean, we may not understand or be part of your actual situation, but I can promise you that if you're <coughs> struggling with sexual lusts like pornography or even things like prostitution or something like that, that you're, that you're going really to the strip clubs. Yeah. And- I don't, I've never experienced, Experience that myself, but I can understand where that lust would grab hold of you. Um, so, or if you're envying after money and that money has become a lust in your life or power has become a lust or whatever it is, we can relate to that because A, we think a lot the same. Most men, I would say, think the same. Um, and I think that most of us have gone through something like that. So, um <laughs> If you are struggling with lust, if lust is an issue, which it should be, if you're being honest with yourself, you probably have something you lust after in your life. Know that there is hope. Um, even if the situation seems hopeless, uh, like Josh said with tobacco use, I, I thank God that I don't use tobacco anymore either. Um, but you, that's something that is a really strong thing. It, it, it really tries to pull you in as a lust. Um, if there's something that you're lusting after, understand that the battle still belongs to the Lord, that there's no, there's no defeat that comes in that. And if we want to get on the road to redemption together as brothers in Christ or sister in Christ, if, if, if we have ladies listening, um, the redemption, which I would highly encourage all you guys out there that are in a marriage or if you're engaged and getting ready to get married, I mean, Come on, guys. I mean, yeah, we're we're trying to talk to you a little bit, but listen with your wives, man. Yeah, and the 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 redemption starts in this entire process with lust when you're able to identify it openly, talk about it, and chase after scripturally the ways to defeat it. So if if it's something that you're struggling with, don't hide it. Don't don't try to run from it. Put it in the light because things that exist in the light, darkness can't also exist. So. Um, that's my, my little forethought for this. If, uh, if it's something you're struggling with, please feel free to reach out to us. We're here for that. That's, that's one of the many things that we were trying to do with Courageous War Ministries is to provide that community if you don't have it. So, uh, please, please feel free to reach out to us. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, um, and say that with this podcast, when we post it, um, the scripture references that we mentioned, and many others, um, we can list those also so that you can have a place to start to look into the Bible yourself. Because like we said throughout both podcasts that we've done, that they've done, is dig yourself. Look into the Bible yourself. Don't just take our word for it. 
Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for listening in and uh, just giving us a couple of minutes of your day. Uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to dive really deep into this today. We were kind of just skimming over the uh, topic of lust just kind of as a introductory. So I will I will hope that you guys come back and tune into us as we uh, release more podcasts and as we really start diving into lust. Uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>